from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. Welcome to the greatest TV show on YouTube. This is Shark Bite Biz. I'm your super casual host, David Strausser, and this is your place to grow during global chaos. We are going to chat about money today. Everybody loves money, and our guest is the money man. First, though, remember, if you're watching on YouTube, you can join the channel for only three, yes, $3 a month. You could become a baby shark, support this show, but if money through big tech isn't your thing, don't worry, we got you covered. Head on over to deadhousecoffee.com, use the code SHARK, you'll get 20% off of your order, and all the proceeds directly support us building the biggest best show we possibly can now let's get back to today's show we're going to talk about fund investing today specifically note investing uh to be honest i've never heard of note investing before it's a new one for me but i am aware of what a note is for real estate i've never really thought of investing in notes myself our guest today he has. <laughs> In fact, he wrote the book on note investing. So who is today's guest? Oh, so glad you asked. Martin Sines. Martin Sines brings social good into smart investing. Martin is a managing partner of Bequest Funds, renowned as a thought leader in the mortgage note investment industry. Martin is generous with his firsthand expertise to the benefit of his many clients and followers. Genuine, loyal, and passionate about creating a better world through profitable business, he works hard to share and spread success. So hey, let's not delay any further. Let's bring Martin on in here. Personal Growth. Martin, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend, you just became Shark Bait. Hey, thanks for having me on, David. Oh, no problem. No problem. So, we have a tradition on this show. Very first question we ask everybody the same thing, okay? What's your experience? What's your background? How did you get to where you're at? What are you doing for a living? Tell us basically what makes Martin Martin. Sure. So what I do for a living is I help investors earn passive income for the rest of their lives. So that's that's in a nutshell what I'm about. And um, so that's a passion of mine, financial literacy, helping build mm -hmm. multiple streams of income in, in my family's lives, but also the lives of other people around me. And uh, I do that through a variety of, uh, of ways and in investing vehicles. Okay. Great, great, great. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I see here is with, you know, you said that you do it through a variety of vehicles. One of the vehicles that you're using is note investing, right? Yes. So what um, is I'm note investing? <laughs> oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no. That's a great question. So in 2013, after my wife and I sold a government contracting company that we founded in 05, um, I went on to uh, become a full-time note investor. So, so what note investing means in, in the context of what I do is 
if you take the situation where someone wants to buy a home and they go into the bank and they fill out a loan application and they get a mortgage mm-hmm. and at a certain point, a, a certain number of those mortgages in the bank's portfolio go into default. And from that, the bank will bundle those into tranches and sell them into the secondary mortgage market to various hedge funds and other lenders at, let's say, 20, 30 cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. So you have hedge funds that buy these mortgages in defaulted status. They make contact with the homeowner and they work out loan modifications to keep the borrowers in their homes. And, and so um, over the course of time, once those borrowers' loans are modified and the borrowers making their payment on a monthly basis, those loans become seasoned again. And Bequest Funds buys them into our income fund and at a seasoned point for anywhere between a 12 and 14% yield. And we're able to thereby pay our investors an eight or a 9% annual return paid monthly to the investors. So it's an income fund that has no expiration and it's essentially creates passive income for our investors for the rest of their lives with one simple investment. That is kind of crazy if you think about it because you are taking an asset that I think most people would think would have not much value as far as a loan, a mortgage that's defaulting, you know, and you're getting that turned around into a seasoned loan and then investing from it in that point. I mean, isn't there some sort of risk around that, that it defaults again or whatever it may be? So the secret sauce is in the investment to value. So since we're mm-hmm. buying it in at a 12 to 14% yield, we're essentially keeping our investment to value at a 65% or below percentage. So what that means as an example is if you take a house that's worth $100,000, we're in mm-hmm. that investment for no more than $65,000. So, so in essence, we're actually more conservative than banks that operate an, at an 80% loan-to-value model. And the reason is, is because we're not buying these loans in at par. So, mm-hmm. so we actually have a 35% cushion, and actually the fund operates at about 62% now. But we have a 35% cushion whereby we can withstand a market correction. And, uh, and if we have to, worst case, take the property back and, um, and recapitalize that one. Market correction. You know, that is a word that I think a lot of people uh, have fear of because, you know, real estate is going for record highs right now. And it it would seem, I I talked to a lot of people on this podcast that they're like, hey, right now is the time to sell because property's never been higher. But then for those people that are individual homeowners that are buying and you're buying at these prices, what if, you know, um, a a market correction does eventually happen? It seems like um, it, it, it could to me. And then from the loan aspect of it, that's where even with your explanation, it still seems like there's a little bit of uh, risk there, I guess, to say yeah. it nicely. <laughs> there's risk in any investment. Uh, I mean, that's that's for certain. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been a business owner, um, entrepreneur for, for the past 17 years. And right. so I've grown, I've grown a government contracting business. I've been a buy and hold landlord for 12 years. 
And, um, you know, we've purchased 30, 30 plus million dollars worth of mortgages in the past 18 months. So, right. so, wow. um, you know, we, we operate at a, at a significant level in the space. And, uh, what I can tell you is that, um, what it takes is a, is a team in place in mm-hmm. systems with that team. So we have internal asset managers, we have a controller, we have um, an acquisition team, we have a capital raise team. And so we have a whole full full team that's uh, you know fully committed to uh, monitoring this portfolio on a daily basis mm-hmm. and ensuring that it continues to perform. So um, you know, borrowers make their payments on a monthly basis and we in turn pay our investors on a monthly basis. For this to work, the borrowers have to make their payments on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. And what we found all throughout COVID is where we were anticipating a, a 75% collectability percentage for our portfolio during COVID, we were hitting at about a 90, 92%, I'm sorry, 92, 93% collectability percentage all throughout COVID. And today we're at 96% collected. So we monitor that daily and we actually do outreach and other proactive activities to ensure that the borrowers continue to make payments. Okay. Okay. Now that's good stuff. So you just mentioned that you've, you're a business owner, you've had a couple of different businesses out there. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about your entrepreneurial self and how you got into note investing itself? Yeah. So, um, you know, like a lot of other entrepreneurs that I've met over the course of time, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I just never felt like I fit into corporate society. I felt like yeah. it wasn't, I was out of place with um, just kind of being in that type of environment. And after getting my MBA, I have an MBA uh, from Drexel and a master's in project management from George Washington University. So okay. I went and got a um, corporate job after college and and um, hated every minute of it and was actually <laughs> fired two years into into the corporate job. So um, that was the biggest blessing in my life. And I was at I hit a point, my wife and I, we had decided, you know, this just wasn't for for me, wasn't for us. And we needed to venture out and do something for ourselves and to build financial freedom. And so mm-hmm. I was always reading books, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad you know, e-myth. I was always kind of learning, taking seminars. And uh, so I was always exploring, but always with one foot in the water and never really just fully immersing myself into anything because Mm -hmm. I was tied into this corporate job. So, but once that was gone, it was like sink or swim. And uh, my wife and I just used what little savings we had and just researched different business ideas and we stumbled upon the the um, museum exhibit industry, and we decided to sell that to the federal government. Museum exhibit industry. What is that exactly? So, so if you go to the Smithsonian Museum or any mm-hmm. museum in, in any any city uh, in the country, and you'll see different wall displays and see figurines and uh, and, and display cabinets and everything else. So the federal government actually. Um, has has all their large federal buildings they have these elaborate art displays and exhibit Mm -hmm. displays all throughout the building and uh yeah go figure right federal government and uh and so um yeah we we designed fabricated and installed 
that for um, places like the Pentagon, NIH, and various military installations across the country. Yeah, because I remember reading somewhere, but in all the spending bills, I believe, or when they put money aside to create a new building or renovate it, there's a certain amount that is put on the side for art as well, too which I thought was kind of crazy, but is that true? Is that kind of what you're, what you're talking about? Well, I think that that's funding? more for like art and endowment to keep the Smithsonian mm. funded and, and the art program so that doesn't go by the wayside. Um, this probably goes more into like facility budgets or operational mm-hmm. budgets. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they want to various agencies and entities within the federal government, they need to communicate their value of their unit as they're all vying for attention and money, just like in any corporate you know, type mm-hmm. structure. So, so what better way to show the universe, so to speak, that, you know, that, that what you do is so awesome than to get, you know, an elaborate exhibit display. And what's funny is, yeah. is I've written five books over the course of time. And um, I have, uh, you know, three of which are note related. And one is just cash flow related. But the one that sells outsells all of them is secrets to winning government contracts. So people, uh, people want to know about selling to the federal government. And why shouldn't they? It's the largest uh, procurement body in the world. Yeah, yeah, I know that is. Um, that's interesting, because we deal a lot with what I do during my day job. It's ERP with Vision 33. And we get a lot of customers that they deal with the government in some shape or form. And there's a lot of accounting requirements with some of that stuff. I mean, you get into DCAA and then you may have some other requirements as far as ITAR or some of these other acronyms out there. Um, But I mean, it can be a little bit intimidating to be like, Hey, I need to be able to provide you know, my cost to them in a certain way, because you have to show them like how much it costs you, how much, how much you're making. And it's, uh, it's confusing for a lot of business owners. But it's lucrative. If you can figure it out. I mean, you know, the the higher the barrier, the the, the more lucrative it's going to be, as long as it's a it's a viable, you know, competitive offering. And, and mm-hmm. so, um, you know, same thing with mortgage notes. It's, uh, you know, someone, someone watching this is going to have a tough time just coming in and buying a portfolio of mortgage loans on the secondary market, not having, you know, compliance in place with licensing and, and, uh, and yeah. not having, you know, certain vendors and resources like credit pooling and title, mm-hmm. title searching and, and all those capabilities. So, um, yeah, the higher the barriers to entry, the more the more lucrative it can be. So let's get back onto the, the note investing. What about the economic downturns? We touched on this a little bit, but let's talk about it more in detail. Say, I don't know, maybe two years from now, maybe six months from now. Who knows? There's a housing crisis crash. How do you specifically handle those types of downturns? I mean, if everybody's defaulting all across the board, I mean, that that would seem that it would definitely impact you guys to a greater degree than if just one here or one there, right? Yeah, so so um, it's interesting, uh, you know, with with the debt industry, 
you can look at it almost almost like an inverse way. So so right now is actually our economic downturn of sorts in that mm-hmm. there is a shortage of inventory and and there's there's an excess amount of capital vying for all the opportunities. So it's a very tight market right now. We haven't had any problems with our company with deal flow because we've we have some good um, seller relationships in place where where we we deal with some negotiated trades on a regular basis. However, um, when there isn't when we do have the economic downturn, and some some mm-hmm. argue it'll be you know some argue we're headed into it right now as we speak yep. with with hyperinflation around the corner, and others say you well know, the government keeps printing money. That's what I keep hearing. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had uh, I just interviewed with a like a real estate mogul. I guess you could say he's got about 150 million dollars worth of real estate he he deals with, and with that he was basically you know like hey yeah everybody's buying it's a you know time to buy because the government keeps printing money. It's never been easier yeah. if you're buying houses just that you're buying it at a higher price. But that doesn't really matter because of the hyperinflation that it long term, the hard assets, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be worth more the house than having the cash. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think we all agree that inflation is here and it's just starting and we have a long road ahead. And, um, you know, my my whole philosophy and thought thought process on it is that now is the more important time than ever to focus on monthly income. So that's the mm-hmm. best hedge against inflation, uh, you know, not a cryptocurrency or day trading or oh, you know, come all on Dogecoin, Dogecoin to the moon. Yeah. Come on, Martin. I, <laughs> so so uh, i i actually don't know anything about cryptocurrency oh. so so i just know that if you take out the i it's what doge con i believe it is is anyway hey i made my money and i got out so i was yeah. happy well i guess the thought <laughs> is that you you know at the end of the day you're not you're not going to go you know feed your yeah. family on 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 a um cryptocurrency or you're not going to feed your family on 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 an apple stock you're going to feed your family yeah. on monthly income coming to you on a consistent basis no that's so- absolutely absolutely 100% true and that's something that i've realized myself as well too you know i've started the the podcast i also got the coffee company that we got stuff like that because it's like hey look you know, my job's nice. I love my day job. It pays the bills, but I want more than that. I'm in business. I'm in sales. And I want more than what this job can provide me at one time. So it was like, okay, let's create these other, uh, you know, wealth generating activities and bring mm-hmm. in more income in. And and that's, I, I get what you're saying with that. Yeah. And it should be, you know, er- everyone should just kind of look at things. Um, and this brings you back a little to, you know Kiyosaki and cash flow quadrant and cash and, and and rich dad poor dad but everyone should be looking at what their monthly expenses are what their mm-hmm. what their active income is and what their passive income is and for most people their passive income is zero and that's yeah. fine but just look at it and and understand where you are financially and start to start to move towards activities that can that can bring you 
small drips of passive income and grow those grow those drips over time so that you're offsetting the active income. And at some point, you know, God willing, your passive income will far exceed your active income and will far exceed your ex- monthly expenses. And then you'll be living a comfortable, stress-free life. You know, that's the thing though. I think you brought up an important topic there as far as passive income. And passive income sounds great. It sounds fun. It sounds amazing. But <laughs> There are so many, I guess you can just say flat out scams out there around passive income, you know, yeah. click this, pay for this, bam, you're done. It's not like that in, in real life. I mean, for something like this, okay, to earn passive income with your company, tell us the, you know, tell us really, how is it? Is it as easy as just investing with a company like you, and then all of a sudden you start getting these checks flowing in. How does it really look? Yeah, it looks like one cent. We're we're an accredited investor fund, so you have to be accredited, mm-hmm. and and it it's one simple investment. Let's say you put in a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, you will receive nine thousand dollars annually divided by twelve, and that mm-hmm. will be your monthly income. Or you can let it compound at nine point four percent and let it let it you know snowball into something for later, and it's just that simple. You'll get ACHs into your account every month. You'll get monthly statements. You'll have a portal access, and you'll get quarterly newsletters with our financials. And the other thing you'll get is um, you know we're we're a Verivest verified gold standard company. So what mm-hmm. that is is it's it's an ongoing review, a monitoring of our fund by a third party agency, whereby mm-hmm. our financials, our operation, and our portfolio is monitored on a on a on an ongoing basis. So right. you'll just have the confidence that this monthly income's coming in. So the question is, where do you get the hundred thousand? I think that's like the yeah. next logical question, right? And and that's where you have to kind of look with what's within your environment. If you're in sales, you know, what can you do to increase sales activity? Mm-hmm. What what can you do? Um, you know, if you if you know something that could be a value, how can you record that and put it on Teachable? So then that way you can create some online classes where you can teach people things that you know that you do on a daily basis and within your job. And and just start looking with what's around you, whereby you can you can accumulate the hundred thousand. But um, yeah, I want to step into that one thing that you just mentioned, like with uh, you were saying teachable classes. I think that generally speaking, that's a good idea. It's something I even looked into as far as with the pandemic. I just think it's too over flooded, overpopulated right now because everybody's trying to do it to make extra money and that's where i mean i did the the podcast the podcast though it's not like the courses i think the podcast is something that i did out of passion because it's how i get to meet amazing people like you it's more of a personal mission of being able to network and grow myself and bringing people along for the ride more than trying to sell people the um you know like courses or self-help stuff but i mean that that's where with me i I just found like okay well i'm gonna start up a coffee industry it's never been easier to start up an e-com business than it is right now um you know so i i've gone down a different route like that but what about for 
people that don't have access to $100,000, what is your minimum investment amount? I mean, and across the board, I mean, how much should an average, you know, late 30s, early 40s person have or family have in investments for these types of things? Like, what are some of those magic numbers? Yeah, so minimum investment in our fund is $50,000. So we work with accredited investors. That means jointly, the couple makes 300K. As a single person, the person makes 200K a year. Or they have a net worth of at least a million dollars. So a lot of the individuals that we work with do have you know, $50,000 to deploy at, at, at that time. Now, yeah. you know, if you're not accredited, which is, which is fine, you know, I was there, you know, I, I get mm-hmm. it completely. And, um, you know, the, the, the whole focus should be on how can I go and build mm-hmm. a nest egg of $50,000 by which to deploy. And, and, and to me, everything starts with education. So, yeah. so, um, you know, one should be doing as much much uh they should immerse themselves into various training into how they can improve their skills from a sales perspective from a you know toastmasters from a verbal perspective mm-hmm. you know maybe if you're in a sales role at your job how can you expand the hours that you work how can you cut out fluff you know one hour lunches are just are just are, are so 1980s you know you only need 10 million 10 minutes to eat a meal and uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. back to work and and so like that that is going to be the title of this episode one hour lunches are so 1980s that is the <laughs> best line i think i've heard so far this Thank season <laughs> now with that i mean it, it's true though i mean I don't need, honestly, I don't even take lunch most days. Now I've worked from home. I've always worked from home. So a lot of people are like, oh, I work from home too. I've worked for a home for the last 15 years. Okay. I've always worked on my own and I would never take a job anywhere that made me go to an office. Uh, it just, I learned, you know, many years ago, like, why do I want to be sitting in traffic for two, three hours when I'm perfectly fine doing that from home and saving six hours a day traffic? You know, and you know, I think a lot of people now they actually actually get it. Um, but you know, I think a lot of salespeople, it, it's not. I think on the low end, you know, I guess it depends on the industry because I'm thinking there, like with my sales team and how those guys read. If they only take a ten minute lunch, will that make a difference? Probably. Not if they do a work and lunch, it probably wouldn't make a difference because you know our average sale guys may be closing four or five, six deals a year. If they're having mm-hmm. a super year, maybe they're doing 10, you know. But that's about it, you know. Large deal, larger deals, you know, in the six, seven, eight figures. And deal cycles are from you know three months to two years, depending on the customer and the company politics of the customer of what hoops they make you jump through and stuff so I, I think from a simplified version though looking at what you said it's true you're like okay well then what can you what activities can you be doing to generate more opportunities so that you can close more customers to get deals yeah i get it i guess you know as you said i would start with together. the structure of the day though i wouldn't start with the activity during the work day so you know, yeah. I would, education's everything. So um, mm-hmm. I would start with talking to the person who's closing 10 deals a year. And, yeah. and I would find out what they're doing specifically from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to sleep. 
And I venture to guess it's very different than what the person that is doing four deals a year. His uh, answer? I, I, just closing off. deals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's all he's doing, thing. just closing deals. Probably a lot of TV shows with yep. four, per, four, four deal a year person, probably a lot of TV shows, probably going out socially, waking up a little later. I mean, there's probably a whole host of, of things that could be reshuffled. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. So last question here. Uh, your fund. Um, we've got into this, but give us some more some more details as far as how it's actually structured. You know, give us the warm and fuzzies for people out there that may be interested in something like note investing, but you know, this is maybe the first time that they've heard it to this to this degree. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So 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 many folks have one of these uh phones. Yep. And, and they have computers. And, and so um, the question I ask, and I talk to people that are investors daily on a daily basis, and, and I always ask them, I say, how, how often do you look at your investments and what they're doing? And a majority mm -hmm. of the time I hear daily. So all throughout, I hear people that, have, uh, that are heavy investors are looking at what their investments are doing all throughout the day. And so um, what I like to suggest is that, is that, one should have a stress-free environment that they put themselves into. So investing in Bequest is stress-free investing. You set it and you forget it. One simple investment and you re receive cash flow for the rest of your life. You don't have to worry about it, think about it, ups, downs, you know, it, it doesn't matter. You're going to get a steady stream of income coming to you on a monthly basis, which is freedom. Because if you can build that, stream of income whereby it surpasses your expenses then you've you've obtained freedom in your life and whether you're working for active money or or not mm -hmm. you're still covering your expenses and, and living a comfortable life yeah no that's great and i think comfortable life that is the the keyboards there that i hear you know it, it's funny my whole life i think when i was like 16 I was making about thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars a year telemarketing, and I'm like, "Wow, I'm king of the world! I'm making more mm -hmm. than my mom." And truth be told, I mean, we're from rural Pennsylvania. She was a CNA with hospice at the time, a nurse that I think was making like uh, nine or ten bucks an hour. I was making more than her, but it, it's funny because I look through my life, and you know, the the comfortable part has evolved what made me comfortable like 10 years mm -hmm. ago now would not cut it you know what i mean it, it, it's crazy how that keeps that level of comfort that i expect keeps going up but that's also what drives me personally because as that goes up i realize like oh i've got to ratchet up the game to do mm -hmm. better to perform more to sell more to do whatever to in order to maintain or increase that level. Yeah. So if you're if you're struggling financially just to mm -hmm. meet your meet ends meet, then what's going to happen when you're at work? The time you should be focused on earning income is you're going to be distracted with with life's you know with with just life occurrences because you're you're struggling financially. That's going to weigh on you. So if you're able to free yourself from that then then it's it's endless what you can do you know i've written yeah. five books you know being financially free i have i have hundreds of streams of income coming into me monthly now I mean, with your five books real. i i want to ask you because somebody like me for example i've been thinking 
uh, with everything that we've learned during the pandemic, I've had a hundred interviews from people like Soledad O'Brien to famous rock stars, legendary rock producers, you know, actors. I've had a lot of awesome people on this show. And I'm thinking, well, I'm a little bit too lazy to write a book right now in my life because I have so much going on. But what I can't do is take some of the best stories that I've got out of this, throw it into a book like transcripts and a little bit of verbiage. And I think that would be really, really cool business advice because you're getting all walks on the face of the earth talking right there. I mean, with books like yours, are they a real revenue stream? Because I'm wondering, and I, I think a lot of people out there listening and watching to this very show probably are wondering the same thing. It's crossed their mind in the last year or two. Should we do a book? Are books still important in this day and age? Have they been devalued too much? Because, I mean, anybody can self-publish a book on Amazon and charge a dollar for it. What, what's your take on that? So they're they're good attention stream. So mm-hmm. the people that read books are are books of uh, that I've written are are potential prospects to come into our fund. So mm. it's the right personality. So they read the book. It shows credibility on my side. They reach out and they've already they they already know me to some extent, and so it expedites the. The, the closing curve kind of like and, an extension like one of the tools in your tool belt that you're using to try to gain new business yeah we were at a money show event over the weekend mm-hmm. and uh we were just handing out my book to everyone so um wow. you know when when you're like well who's martin who's this bequest company and and then now you're handed a book and that book sells on it one of the books is a bestseller on amazon and, mm-hmm. and you go and look and say, well, you know, he sold thousands of copies of this book. Um, you know, he's has a, a credible LinkedIn page. You know, he's Verivest verified. You know, all these things are just just pieces of, of the web, right? And then, right. And then for for someone to come and just get kind of to fully know me, it's not even about getting them stuck on the web as much as it mm-hmm. is just to just to get them comfortable to want to do business with me. Okay. Okay. That sounds awesome. Well, why don't you tell us about your newest book? Yeah. So Cashflow Dojo, I wrote last year and uh, it's building your home on multiple streams of income. And, uh, you know, as the name suggests, the dojo is a house of training, a house of discipline. So, um, you know, to me, everything. Oh, we've all seen, we've all seen Karate Kid. Yeah. And what's the new show they have out there on? I can't think of it. They have the new Karate Kid, the TV series. That's I don't on, watch uh, TV. Uh, well, <laughs> it's on TV. Netflix. On the well, Netflix, I'll it's say great. that uh, I think of Beverly Hills Ninja. Oh, there you <laughs> go. A, there you go. There that's you where go. I go. <laughs> but anyway, but, that's what it's yeah. about. It's about just just help. I'm passionate about financial literacy and uh, helping people with cash flow and. I'm all about that for myself. So um, it's just a passion of mine. And I just put out some you know, little t- tips uh, that, that could help individuals. That's awesome. And last question, how can people reach out to you? Yeah, you can email me at martin at bqfunds.com or you can go to www.bqfunds.com. Awesome. Hey, Martin, thank you so much. This has been so fun having you on here. It's been educational. Nice. Thank learned you, a lot about notes, man. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. 
No problem. Cheers. Wow, wow, wow. Such an awesome chat with Martin, right? First, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it spiked those warm and fuzzies, do me a favor. Hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. But if you really want to help us out, share this interview out. Share it out to your network. Share it to Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever you go on the interweb. Share it out. Shark Bite Biz is the greatest kept secret out there in business, professional, and personal growth. Help us grow the channel and spread the word. Now let's get back to our rock star guest, Martin, and his awesome, awesome points. So it was really cool chatting with Martin, okay? And I've said this during the intro. Note investing to me is new. I know what a note is, but I didn't really understand how to invest in that. So it is a pretty cool concept. Now remember, okay, full disclosure here, I'm not a financial advisor. I can't tell you where to put your money. And to be honest, you probably shouldn't listen to me. Okay, but listen to the concept that Martin presents. And Martin is somebody you should probably listen to or consult with. It sounds like a great way to invest cash and get a stable return. These returns don't sound like they are earth shattering, but you are getting a nice return on the cash that you invest with this method. And it seems to have done it in a way that really minimizes risk. I mean, if you think about it, investing money, making your money work for you to bring a return it's all about minimizing risk. And I think getting stable returns. Yeah, you need to have something that shoots to the moon. I think everybody has that dream. You know, whether it's Dogecoin, uh, the crypto world, or whether it's something else, um, you know, having an investment that gives you 10 times or 20 times your return is awesome, but it comes with a ton of risk. This is something with Martin's method that really, really minimizes that risk, which I think is something we all can appreciate in these very uncertain times. So I've got to ask you a question of the day. Have you ever heard of or have you ever done note investing leave a comment down here below to youtube and hey i gotta give a shout out uh make sure you grab martin's book i'm gonna have the link down below in the description whether you're watching on youtube or you're on itunes or spotify or wherever you're consuming this amazing episode at uh, we're gonna have the link right there go buy uh, martin's book it's a great read he sent me the book i love it uh thank you again martin for being on the show and remember if you want to be on the show interviews at sharkbitebiz.com please don't forget to join the channel it's three dollars a month you get some awesome perks and you get to become a baby shark yeah and, you know, you can also help us again, deadhousecoffee.com. Use code SHARK. You get 20% off. We get the proceeds. Helps us build the biggest and best show we can. Once again, you all know this by now, but I'm David Strasser. This is Shark Pipe Biz. We'll see you all next episode. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz.
We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story. 